Hey, teacher friends. Welcome to the Teaching with Haley podcast, where we believe relationships matter. Research shows that positive relationships greatly impact student engagement and their learning. Each week, I'll share a few simple ways to improve your classroom community, build social-emotional learning into your day, and strengthen your relationships. I'm your host, Haley O'Connor. everybody, it is Haley, and thank you for joining us today. We are going to be talking about how to teach responsibility in the classroom. So responsibility is one social-emotional skill that will make your life significantly easier if your kids can get a handle on it. It's definitely one that comes much easier to some students than others. You know, full disclosure, I am someone that I'm fairly disorganized. I can be pretty messy. And so I can see myself in some of these kids that really struggle with responsibility because I think in the classroom, you know, it comes down to a lot of like time management, keeping track of things. And so those things are hard for me. So what I hope I can do today is give you strategies to help a kid who was me, the kid who needed a little bit of support because there will be kids in your classroom that never need to be reminded about this. They seem to always like just kind of have it together. And so, you know, maybe you have a lot of those, maybe you have a few of them, but I know that you also have kids who need support in this area. So the more we can teach kids to take responsibility for themselves and their materials, the less micromanaging that you will have to do, which is always the goal. The less micromanaging that you do, the more time you have to build stronger relationships and you know, plan thoughtful instruction. Before we get into the things you can do to help kids be more responsible, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about what kids are and are not responsible for. I think there's some confusion and there's always a little bit of like a push-pull within schools and everyone has a little bit of a different perspective on this. But I think when it comes to responsibility, it's really important that we focus on what happens at school. Anything outside of the school building or, you know, right now, if you're in digital learning, anything that happens, maybe not on Zoom, you know, just kind of outside of your control. To me, it's important that we don't put that on kids. Some examples of that would be like field trip forms, parent forms, things we send home that parents need to sign. As much as we can tell a kid like, oh, get your parents to sign this, that's really not their responsibility. And it's not fair to put that on a six-year-old. So I would not say that's something we could necessarily improve on. Um, You might have a kid that whose parents come back and say, oh, they never gave that to me. And that's something you can work on. But if you have a kid who is consistently struggling to bring things in from parents, that might be something you want to consider. The same thing goes for attendance and tardies. It makes me really sad when I see like a lot of emphasis put on tardies and perfect attendance because for a lot of kids, that is so far out of their reach. You know, parents are working multiple jobs. There could be just like other issues complicating it. And so we want kids at school. And so that's the goal is like, I want to see you. I miss you when you're not here. Our class misses you. But ultimately, an elementary school student cannot control when they get to school or if they come to school. And then there's two more I wanted to talk about. Healthy food is another one. Most of the time, kids cannot control what comes in their lunchbox. So it's just important that we don't shame that or bring that up or like, why are you bringing a soda to school? You know, like you had talkies every day this week. Just try to avoid that if you can, because one, they may not know even what the correct thing to do is. And in the grand scheme of things of what we want to teach our kids, I hope that you would agree that there's other things to focus on. And then homework. Okay, so 
this I feel like I could probably just make an episode about it myself, like a totally separate episode. But for me, kids are only responsible for homework, you know, in the perfect situation. Like if you know for sure that a kid is going home, they have someone home with them that could help them. They have the materials that they need. Then it's okay to hope that they'll bring their homework back. But if you don't know for sure that they have a pencil at home, um, you know, one, we can send the pencil home. But I just think homework is something that's even kind of challenging because it looks different. It's really hard to make it equitable. So I would just encourage you talk with your team, do some soul searching what that looks like uh, to make sure that we're not putting all of the responsibility on kids for things that they can't ultimately control. Now, there are a lot of things that they can control. And so one of them would be like their materials at school. We can absolutely teach kids, this is your pencil, you need to keep up with it. We can absolutely help them finish their work. You know, we have to get through this activity so that we can move on to the next one. This is your responsibility to finish it. And they're also responsible for themselves and their bodies. So the words that come out of their mouth, if their bodies are being safe, if they're hitting, if they're kicking, those are things they are responsible for. Now, that may not be easy for a lot of kids. They may really, really struggle to complete their work, um, struggle to keep their hands to themselves. But our role is to help kids uh, them the structure that they need to be successful. So I broke uh, the things that kids are responsible for into four sections, organization, time management, health, and self-control. So we're going to go through them and different things you can do to help kids take ownership. So the first one is organization. So I've mentioned that before. I struggle with that a lot. But It's important that kids are able to have some level of organization in order to be responsible. So one thing you can do is just label their materials. Um, You know, that's probably super basic for everybody. But for me, having my name on something makes it much easier for me to keep up with. And it's not my daughter's. It's not not trash. Like, this belongs to me. And it gives students a little bit more ownership of it. Make sure they have a spot for everything. So actually, like, redid our fridge. So I went and got some plastic containers. They weren't super expensive, but I made it so that there were spots for everything so that things weren't shoved in a drawer. And it's been, like, three months, and I've been able to keep my fridge really well organized while the rest of my house is just, like, it is does not look like my fridge. I don't naturally know how to organize things. It doesn't come easy to me and I don't naturally do it. So I have to have a lot of structure around this is how I should organize it. So giving kids like a specific spot, you might want to put a piece of painter's tape on their desk. Like this is where your pencil goes. Um, Pencil bags can be super, super effective if you have them or a pencil box. And then something else that worked well for me and I've seen done before is actually like draw a student desk and where they should put things. Because like I said, you know, you might have some kids that look inside a desk and they think, okay, I want my binders and my folders on this side. I want my guided reading books over here. But you may have kids who that is like a foreign language. So drawing it out for them is super helpful. I would also encourage you to have a spot for lost materials so that when kids make a mistake and they lose something, the next step in being responsible is solving the problem. So you lost your pencil. Okay, what do we do next? Oh, you can go get a pencil from the lost bucket. That gives kids another way to be responsible and successful. And then 
the last one is going to be have structured times to organize. Usually what I would do is like once a week, we would kind of go through our desks and make sure there wasn't trash, make sure there wasn't papers crumpled up in the back. I would encourage you every afternoon, like, okay, let's put our pencil on the left side of our desk, um, push your chair in, and now we're ready to do our brain break or whatever it is. That seems like really structured and regimented, but actually for me, as someone who's a really flexible thinker, um, that level of structure helps me be more successful. So giving them that time because a lot of kids will not do it on their own. So if we want them to be responsible for their materials, give them the time to learn to do that. The second one is time management, which that's obviously really hard. Kids are responsible for completing their work. Some might need more help than others. And so our job is to provide them with the tools. A timer is always super effective for kids. For me too, like working on a deadline. If I know that I have in depth, like (laughs) I wanted to start a podcast for like a really long time, but I never had a deadline. So it just, it was kind of this like abstract thing in my head. But once I gave myself a deadline, it was much easier for me to kind of get on the boat, you know, and, and start getting it done. So giving kids a timer, hourglasses work super well. And I know on Amazon, they have some that have different increments of time. So breaking things down for kids, like I cannot tell a seven-year-old that he is responsible for this whole packet because that might be a lot for him. Now, some probably really could do that. But what I can do is give them chunks. Like you're responsible for completing this page. When this page is done, we can move on. You know, so break it down into manageable chunks. That makes it super helpful and then tie the timer to it. So I need for this to be done by the time the sand gets to the bottom. And then if you ultimately have kids that really, really, really struggle to be responsible and complete their work, you might consider doing a token economy. So I try to keep things as simple as possible. On their desk, take a dry erase marker and make a tin frame but you could even use six or eight. And then each time they complete an assignment, they just get a little check mark. And then when all six are completed, you know, they get a sticker or they get to stand up and not use their chair. And so ultimately, you know, the goal of social emotional lessons is that we're not rewarding as much as we are focusing on like the why and the how and helping our kids understand that it feels good to be in control of ourselves. But some of those kids just need extra help. And so a token economy can be really effective. And and all that means is that they're getting like rewarded for something that they do. So the third thing that they are responsible for that we can encourage and is health. So let, let me back up. Kids are not responsible for their own health. Like that's not true. And there's so many factors, but we can teach them how to make responsible choices. So they can't control what they eat at home and they can't control how much exercise they get. Now, you know, of course, it's easy to say, well, if your parents give you something, just ask for something healthy. And that's a lot of responsibility on a little guy. And we also know that there's food deserts and healthy food is not always accessible. You know, I just read a stat that was like one in four kids in North Texas are from food insecure homes. So we're just trying to make sure that they get the calories that they need. It may or may not be the nutrients. So we can't control that. But what we can control is at school. Um, One of the things that we talked a lot about was water. I never wanted to shame a kid for having anything else, but we talked about how water makes our bodies feel good when we have a lot of water. It's easy for our brains to think. It's easier for us to play at recess. So water is a great one to focus on. If you know what's going to happen at lunch, you can always say things like, oh, they're serving carrots at lunch. Did you know that that's really good for your eyes? I 
follow an account called Kids Eat in Color. She's an incredible nutritionist, but she talks a lot about how we don't label foods like good, bad, healthy, unhealthy. But we talk about how they make us feel. So when that comes to lunch, like, oh, you know, we're having chicken for lunch, that gives, that's protein. And I know that when I have protein, I feel like I can run really, really fast. Talking about those lunch choices, we're never going to shame them. We're never going to say like, don't eat this. But just talking about how our bodies feel when we eat certain things will help kids be more mindful and hopefully start to make responsible decisions. And then as far as exercise, recess, you know, is a great time for exercise. Some kids really, though, need it for social interaction and just for the brain break. So I don't think that all kids have to run around all the time, but we can encourage them like, hey, I noticed that you and Sherry really like to talk during recess. It'd be really cool if you walked around the playground so that you talked and your body got to move. So helping them make healthy choices without just telling them like, go run, like you need to exercise, but figuring out what they need from recess and then also adding in that healthy level of exercise and then model. So if I'm sitting down for 30 minutes, it's hard for me to be like, okay, well you need to walk because you need to exercise. So be an example, you know, when you're monitoring the kids, kind of like walk around, stand on your feet, just to remind them that good for us. And we can control how we exercise at recess. We can control the number of steps that we get during that period of time. So let's make a healthy choice. And then the fourth one is teaching kids that they are responsible for themselves and their actions. So doing lessons on self-control. We talk about, you know, these are our bodies and we're responsible for them. So we have to be safe. If you're feeling these big feelings, you know, it's not safe to hit, it's not safe to throw things, but you can clench your fists, you can close your eyes, you can cross your arms, and it is not safe to scream. You are responsible for the words that come out of your mouth. So instead of screaming, you can say, I'm frustrated, can we talk about this later? Or I need a few minutes before I'm ready to talk. So a few simple things you can do to help kids learn about and practice responsibility in your classroom. We talked about what kids are and are not responsible for. We talked about helping kids be more organized, use their time wisely, make healthy choices, and show self-control. So I hope that you can take those lessons back and work on responsibility this week. Next week, we will be talking about connecting with parents. So I hope you will join us for that. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me on Teaching with Haley. I hope you feel refreshed and ready for a new week with your students. Be sure to visit teachingwithhaley.com to find additional resources like social emotional lesson plans, positive behavior resources, and ideas for building classroom relationships. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Teaching with Haley O'Connor. While you're online, I'd love if you left me a rating on iTunes or shared this episode with a friend. Be sure to tune in every week for more simple ways to engage and connect with your students. Have a great week.